Hey everyone, I'm Jared. And I'm Arthur. And you're listening to Unheard Us. Brought to you by The Big Bees. Welcome back, everyone, to Unheard Of, episode 1212. Thank you all again for tuning in. Um, I am your co-host, Jared, joined by my best bud, Arthur. Yep. And today we have a real special treat for you, and we'll get to that in just one minute. Arthur, how has your week been, my friend? Uh, week's been pretty good as usual. Uh Started the new job. Uh, it's been okay. Uh, yeah, it's been working. Uh, how about you, man? It's going pretty good. Pretty good. Work's uh, busy. I'm um, got to travel next week. Going to do some traveling. Going to good old Texas, San Antonio, and um, yeah, I mean. Got to be away from the family for a couple weeks, so that sucks. Um, but when work calls, you got to go. So other than that, week's been okay. And, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to um, moving on. I got you. So, anywho, for all of our special listeners out there, we have brought back one of our favorite boys, uh, Uriel from the Thought Police is with us today. How are you doing today? Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody? How's everybody doing today on this nice Friday night? Soon to be early Saturday morning. That's true. We're, yes, and we're recording a little bit late typically tonight. Monday. <laughs> yeah. Typically Monday for our listeners whenever they get this going. Ah, so soon for, for everyone listening here on Monday, how's the future? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Whew. All right, man, I'll tell y'all what, we got great topics today. Um, Uriel is back. Obviously, everybody loves him, um, except for me, but that's just personal. And anywho, let's go ahead and get into this thing, guys. Um, right away from the start, let's go ahead and talk about Chadwick Bozeman who, as we are recording this, um, just passed away. We all just got the news just a few moments ago. And um, I I don't really um, know what to say at first. If any of you guys want to go, uh, I just know that I'm I'm pretty shook about this. Yeah, I'll go first if, if you don't mind. And I'd just like to start off by saying I, I didn't even know me and Jared had beef. You know, I thought that was with Ethan. Uh, first off, in fact, I consider Colton uh, the the Evans boy I'm most enemies with. So came came a little bit out of left That's field true. there. But um, moving forward, uh, I, it's okay. I still I still love you. I'm just uh you know I'm making controversy. I'm trying to start up a beef with the thought police. Ah, okay. we're trying to we're trying to develop some some ongoing stories here. Okay, okay, a crossover but episode behind the scenes. Some storylines. <laughs> I still love you. Some storylines. Yes, yes. Anyway, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. So that news is absolutely devastating. Honestly, 
the fact is, okay, so for people who by Monday, if you still don't know, by the time of listening to this, Chadwick Boseman passed away of colon cancer today. Absolutely shocking the world because literally, I don't think it was nobody, nobody in the general public knew about this, right? So like, no. the, there's two things that are amazing about this, right? The first thing is that literally he has had this since 2016. Like he was diagnosed with this in 2016. And I'm pretty sure at that point it was already stage three. And it, over the last two years, it went to stage four. The second thing, well, actually, there's three things that are amazing about this. The second thing that's amazing about this is that he, how many movies has he filmed since 2016? That man was, he was going so hard. He was going so, so hard. And the third thing is he has the realest crew, the realest entourage, the realest inner circle, because this shit never leaked, not even once, bro. Nobody had a clue. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just shocking, like you said, out of left field. Because, I mean, he had been looking like a, a bit smaller and stuff than, than people think or like than he usually is, especially like while he's doing Black Panther and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, other than that, nobody knew. I think, is his, is, does he have any movies coming out or is his last movie Five Bloods? Uh, I have no clue. Because if his last movie was Five Bloods, you know, that was a damn good movie he was in. Yep. He he carried his work. Like, if you just look at his work and you look at him in the public eye, you would have never guessed. This is what makes oh, it yeah. so shocking. Like you said, there were some pictures where he looked smaller, but, like, you can attribute that to anything, you know? Yeah. Like, he, well, some people probably thought he was just getting ready for a different role where he had to be small, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's out of left field, absolutely devastating. But uh, I would uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. You got it. I was I was just gonna say that um, for me, he leaves behind like an extremely powerful legacy. I mean, sure, uh, Uriel mentions all the movies he's filmed. Um, well, the span of how many movies he's filmed since he got in can since he was diagnosed with cancer. Um, but he's played like really powerful roles uh, from his time in Hollywood. And I think um, he's going to be the one, you know, one that was definitely gone too soon. And 2020 has sucked so far. I thought it couldn't get worse after Kobe. But, uh, nah, man, Chadwick Boseman, he's a great actor. Leaves behind an excellent legacy. And I'll tell everybody what I was telling Arthur right before we started recording this is – Black Panther was actually the first Marvel movie to uh, make me cry in theaters. And I credit that to the work of the set and the crew and actors just like Chadwick Boseman, who set that tone throughout the whole film. It was like one of the realest um, films emotionally for me that they've had. And yeah, I think it's, um, it's a pretty, devastating to the world right now absolutely the thing is like his career like honestly if we're being 100 percent real his career was just getting started like the man would have probably been cast in so so much more because he really only broke through in 2013 and yeah. like an actor of his caliber the the, the 
I, I would say like the meteoric rise that he had, right? Because he his first film, he was Jackie Robinson. Like that's an iconic role to to to, to play for your first your first starring role, you know? He goes from Jackie Robinson, then he plays James Brown. Then I mean he's in some other movies. He played um in some other smaller movies, and then 2016, he jumps in as Black Panther. He gets cast as Black Panther. Then the Five Bloods, and then I mean, you can only assume that this man's career was just starting. Like he had the potential, I guess. This he didn't have a ceiling, you know. He didn't really have a ceiling for how far his career could go. Yeah, I see that. Twenty one, twenty one bridges was pretty decent too. If uh, anybody saw that one, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. I was I read about it, but I haven't seen it. I remember seeing the uh, previews for it. It's pretty good. Uh, he's he's really good in that one too. That's so crazy, um, man. And forty three. Uh, he's only forty three. So, so young guy, man, and. What's crazy is you mentioned, you know, his breakout role was playing Jackie Robinson, and he passes away on the day that the MLB is honoring Jackie Robinson. Jesus Christ, man, that's heavy. Wow. I didn't even know that. That's heavy. I didn't know that either. That's symbolism there. Yep. It's tough, bro. That's so tough. You know, just I guess for a lot of people too, like he was in his short – you know, his short time in the mainstream, he had such a huge impact, you know? So this one, like, we, like, we can't, we can't act like he's been in the game, like, forever, forever, right? But we can say that, like, in the time he was in the mainstream, he became, like, a top actor. He became a main man, a star, basically. For sure. Sure. And I think um, when you look at a situation like Bozeman's, um, I think it makes you value life a lot more. Like we not only talk about the things like his Instagram live videos and such where fans are questioning his health because he's losing a tremendous amount of weight this year. But, um, you know, there was a lot of those poses where he looked so like unenthusiastic doing the Wakanda forever pose. And, it makes you look back to those and you're like, okay, well, you know, he said he's not unenthusiastic because that's like the role of a lifetime. But now you just go back and think, well, dang, you know, this man had like an underground battle all this time. Yeah. Maybe he was just hurting deep down. He just never told anybody dog. How would it have been different? Had he told anybody? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe he was just like prideful, you know, didn't want any pity in the spotlight. Yeah, it did come out of nowhere. It's so crazy. Either way, much much respect. You know, I hope he's um resting in peace, you know. I can't imagine what that fight was um with cancer. Cancer is uh, you know, as always, uh just a bitch. Cancer's just a bitch, dog. You know? It's true. And uh it's just not something, you know, when people get sick like this and when people um, pass away like this. It's it's always hard, you know. This is this kind of stuff is never easy. These unexpected, 
Um, these unexpected goodbyes are just never easy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and it literally, like, out of left field, like, I, I literally remember just earlier this year when I was sitting on my couch, scrolling through my feed, and then, bam, breaking news, Kobe Bryant's dead. And that's how I felt when I read this one. I'm like, uh, man, this is um, – 2020 is just god-awful. Like, it can uh, – I'm ready for this year to be over with. I don't know if anybody else is but at this point. For sure. Yeah. Bad year. Bad it's year. Cursed year. <laughs> and you know what? <laughs> to um to kind of shift to a little bit lighter tone, does anybody remember when we were breaking in this new decade and everybody was having these roaring 20s parties as if, like, oh, man, this decade's going to be, like, the best one yet? And I think a lot of people forget about history repeating itself. <laughs> and not too many people remember the first part of the 1920s. That's true. Um, I'm, and it feels like 2020 is going down a similar path. Look, I'm going to say it. I'm of the persuasion that the decade actually doesn't start until 2021. We're still in the past decade. I know that's a, it's a controversial topic, and it could be a conversation for a different time. But for me, technically, we're still in the past decade. We haven't hit this decade yet. Well, I mean, I, uh, yeah, no, go ahead. I get, I get what you're saying, but doesn't like zero to one is a full year. So you still get technically 10 with it going to the next, next thing. Uh, I guess it really depends on where you consider like the start. Yeah. So like, do you consider the start of the first year one or do you consider the start of zero zero one? Yeah, because so, I mean, it takes a year to get from zero to the one, so that's a year. That's true. But the time start the time start at zero, or the time start at one? You know, that's an existential. That's an well, existential question. Is it? This oh, is man. from. This is from Farmers Almanac. So, you know, you can take that source if you want to, but it's also on NPR. Um. They say the decade starts January 1st, 2020, and it ends December 31st, 2019, or like uh, 2029. Ah, well, you see, this is this is the other part of this. You know how some people are like flat earthers? I'm a decade denialist, so <laughs> <laughs> no matter how many facts you shoot at me, I will always maintain this opinion. Has anybody seen that flat earth documentary on Netflix? No. no, I haven't, but I, I wanted to. I've seen some clips from it. Let me look up. Okay, Behind the Curve is the name of it. Now, my wife and I watched this. <laughs> Dude, these people are so in denial of the facts presented before their faces. Like, by the time you get to the end of the documentary, and we just watched it to see how crazy people are, right? Um. By the time you get to the end of the documentary, the uh, producers and everything have showed these people like maybe two to five tests that disprove their theory, like to their face. And um, they just keep denying it. I think most of it's because a lot of them are famous on YouTube and stuff. So 
you know, if they go against their word, then they'll lose their crowd and everything. They lose their following. That's funny. Yeah, but like, how can you? How can you? Because don't they like disprove themselves and pretty much inside the uh, documentary? Yeah, they definitely do. Like they definitely like you. You will watch them perform experiments that fail right in their face. Yeah. Wait, wasn't there wasn't there a guy wasn't there a guy like last year who was a flat earther and he wanted to prove something about the curvature of the Earth, so he shot himself out of a rocket and he crashed and died. Am I capping? I don't remember that story. Am I? I don't, I don't know. I don't remember that story. I will pull it up right now. Flat say, earther. I'm not sure. Like stupid gamers <laughs> win stupid prizes. His name was That's... his name was Mad Mike Hughes. All right, BBC.com, Mad Mike Hughes. It wasn't even last year, bro. It was in February. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. This was in February. Mad Mike Hughes, 64, crash landed his steam powered rocket shortly after takeoff near Barstow on Saturday. A video on social media shows a rocket being fired into the sky before plummeting to the ground nearby. Hughes was well known for his belief that the Earth was flat. He hoped to prove this theory by going to space. By going to space? Oh my god. You know what? I I get wanting to question your government, but there's just some things that you don't need to question. Like, is the earth flat? It cost him eighteen thousand dollars to build this rocket just to die? Why didn't he just buy a gun? <laughs> the man was trying to kill himself that bad. Good lord. Like, is that even a government thing? The government told us that the the Earth is round, or well, no, I'll say that's literally very old. Like, but you know how all those flat Earthers are. You know, they're just like, I don't believe what the government tells me, or I don't believe that book. (laughs) I just, they're just dumb. Facts. I mean, look. You can't, to, can't to tell them so, nothing. To be so smart to uh, make those experiments that, of course, work, but not the way they want them to. Uh, yeah, to be so smart to be able to do that, they're they're pretty they're pretty dumb. Facts. That's wild. I, mean, I I think if you watch the documentary, and a lot of people should because I think it's kind of funny. Um, I think you'll find that a lot of these people who land themselves in the flat earth community are literally those type of people who are kind of socially awkward and don't have many friends and they latch on to this whole ordeal just to like fit in with a certain community. Yeah. It probably is. It probably is a sense of acceptance, which maybe this should be, maybe uh, I think that society as a whole needs to work on a way to make sure these people don't fall in the cracks and uh, turn to extremism. Uh, yeah. And turn to shooting themselves out of rockets. I was about to say, be it scientific extremism, uh, political extremism, racial extremism. Uh, I think society fails a lot of, uh, a lot of young men and women in that aspect, for sure. I'm not sure if it's society or them failing themselves. I mean, it's pretty easy to... Um disprove a lot of theories especially like flat earth for one 
I, I mean, and um, I, I, I can't say that this falls all on themselves because um, there's got to be something that has failed them for them to, to fall into these ideas. Something has failed for this many. Okay, for this, but there'd be this many. I think it's a systemic failure somewhere that drives these people into these, uh, uh, into these throes of extremism. Like I said, I think if you want to go the acceptance route, then it probably has to do more so with the mind because we're not in schools, you know, teaching anything about flat earth anymore. Like it's, it's been wrong for hundreds of years. And, uh, like a, like I said, I think it's a mental issue, really, wanting to fit in with a crowd. Hmm. I got you. I mean, I get it. Okay. And nobody agrees. <laughs> Sitting in silence. Oh, I mean, no. Like, uh... I was, I was actually just trying to provide a segue into the, the Kenosha stuff. That's why I was talking about extremism. I was like. This, I'm 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 giving okay. them the layup here. I was like I was like the alley oop. Here comes a slam. I, I mean I thought that, but I. Anyways. Oh, dude, I was a, uh, I was totally about to veer off into something different, which is why I didn't take that segue. Ah, uh, it's okay. We'll get to it. Okay, so uh, yeah. a fourth segue. Uh, sorry, people, into the Kenosha, Wisconsin shooting. Of uh, Jacob Blake. Dang, you kind of said that like you question it. <laughs> <laughs> True. No. Uh, Kenosha, like, Wisconsin. Yeah, his name is Jacob, Jacob Blake. Blake. Yes, of Jacob Blake. <laughs> uh, from the police. Um, yeah. You want to get us going on? I say you want to break it down for us, because. Okay. So. Well, in the video, he was going away from the cops, and then he was about to get into the car, and that and the cop just grabs him by the by his shirt, and then shoots him seven times in the back. But, yeah. Uh, well, first off, I think it's a miracle that he's alive. I think it's a miracle and yeah. a blessing that he's alive. Um. Second off, how many more? I guess. How many more times? Like this is this is starting. This isn't starting to feel like a, a daily thing. This has felt like a daily occurrence for I don't know how many years now, and it's clear that the lines have been drawn. And like you know, I think a lot of people as a whole know this is wrong. Um, I mean, you you saw the boycotts, especially from NBA players. If only for a day. If only for a day. Um, across, you know, the NBA, the WNBA, the MLS. So I think, you know, even earlier this year, all the um, civil unrest that those, that the uh, killings earlier this year caused uh, after police, you know, extrajudicially uh, murdered young African-American males. But I, I think at this point, it's like just how, how many more will it take until something changes, you know? Because it feels like we get the same song and dance every time. Right. And, uh, Arthur, if you don't mind, uh, I would like to say something real quick because um, obviously 
I'm not a person of color, but I I do have some heavy thoughts on this. Okay. Um. So yeah, and as as most listeners know, uh, I'm basically the conservative one on this show. Now I'm not going to say I lean Republican because I'll vote either way if I agree with um, anybody's views. However, the politicizing of these shootings needs to like completely stop. And what I mean by that is Democrats need to stop making it one thing and Republicans need to stop making it another. Like we need to all agree that this crap is wrong. I mean, there, there is no reason. And I've seen it on the internet since this has happened in the past week. There is no reason that anybody should justify a man getting shot in the back seven times. These cops, and not all of them, I know some of them, most of them are good because, uh, you know, even I've got good cops in my family. Um, but the point is, shooting a man in the back seven times is not justified, especially when you've already got your hand on him and you could apprehend him. So... No, I'm not a police officer. Don't have any type of training in that form or manner. I think one of the major problems is nobody can sit down and say, yeah, this is bad. Everybody's turning to one political side or the other. And I actually loved what the Baltimore Ravens did in their protest or I guess boycott or what you or call to action, I guess is what you would call what they did. Um, because a lot of people are boycotting and protesting, but literally no single person in Congress has actually um, submitted any type of form of reform or anything. It's just like everybody's letting this go on on both sides of the aisle and trying to kind of just let it pass over every couple weeks. Um, the Baltimore Ravens actually called for the arrest for the killers of Breonna Taylor um, the convictions of George Floyd's killers and, and for the, um, arrest for the killers in Jacob Blake's case. And not only did they call for that, they actually called for a law to be brought to Congress for police reform. Now, obviously I can't speak for people of color, but I think one of the primary problems in this issue is police desperately need to be reformed because you've got trigger happy cops. Like there was no reason Philando Castile needed to be shot four times when he told the officer he was reaching for his uh, license, you know? And I think it starts with police reform and it starts with ending police immunity. Anytime that firearm goes off, there needs to be an investigation. I'm not saying place them on administrative leave every time. Like if they're in a shootout with a guaranteed murderer, Go ahead. But every time their firearm goes open, there needs to be an investigation. They need to end immunity because all these killings are happening too often. And to end this rant, I know I've got a lot of people that are going to say, well, you know what? White people are killed more than black people every year. Okay, well, white people make up like 65% of the population in the United States. Yeah. And black people are a minority. Black people make up like 60 to 70%. It might be more. I could be wrong on this fact. I don't have it pulled up. 
but they make up a majority of the prisons already. And I can almost guarantee if you pull up the statistics from how many black people are shot by police and how many white people are shot and compare it to the population size, the black people compared to population would statistically be shot down more than white people. And I don't understand how people are not seeing this at this point. I think the clear solution is police reform, like ending immunity and open investigations into cases like Jacob Blake, where the officers need to be convicted of their crimes. And um, I'm upset. I'm upset for my friends, you know, and I hate that this type of crap is going on in the world and we can't just all agree that it's wrong. I was going to say, okay, um, you were saying like white people are shot by police too. One of the most gruesome police violence videos I have ever seen, police murder videos I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't even, I don't know if you remember this, but back in 2016, um, there was a man shot and killed by police in a hotel. His name was Daniel Shaver, right? And in the video, okay, the police are called because he was there for work or something. And he was like at his window at the hotel and somebody called to say like he had a gun and was like aiming at people, right? But like obviously nothing had happened. Like he nothing had happened yet. He hadn't like there was no harm done to anybody yet, basically, right? Yeah. And he was unarmed, right? They were responding to a report of a man pointing a gun out a window. In the video, you literally see police armed to the nines, bro. Like these fools have long rifles. I, I couldn't tell you the make or the model. Could have been an AR-15, could have been whatever. I don't know what sort of make or model these guys had, um, the cops had. But they're giving this man orders and he's crying. He's on his knees. They're telling him all of these orders, right? They're, give, they're basically yes. playing fucking Simon Says with him, and if you mess up, you die. That's what this turned into. Wow. These cops literally... I've seen... Yeah, yeah you've seen that video. I've seen that video. And literally, he's like... Because they're like, get on the ground, put your hands out in front of you, but then they're like, get on your knees, crawl towards us. And he's crawling towards them, and his pants are falling down, and he's moving to adjust his pants. He's crying. He obviously has nothing on his hands. He is not armed. And his pants are falling down. And as he goes to adjust his pants, as he's crawling, they just start shooting him. They shoot him to death right there. And one of the most fucked things about this entire thing was that one of the cops, one of the cops who killed him and shot him, on his gun, it was like he brought it from home. And on the side, it had like an engraving that says, you're fucked on it. Yeah. So tell me, like, what sort of rotten ass fucking culture... What sort of rotten ass fucking job culture does that? What what image does that give to people? Are you gonna feel safe when a guy is literally begging to to fucking bring bring a gun from home to use it on somebody with the engraving "You're fucked" on it? Are you serious? And see, but that's that's like the problem I'm having with people not getting this. And Arthur, you can still talk about Jacob Blake if you want. I'm not trying to segue. No, no. But literally fine. in in the wake of the Jacob Blake protests um white 17 year old comes through kills two people and he goes home and sleeps that night after interacting with police and then he's arrested peacefully the next day yeah it's like uh and uh you you can say some some people like that lean right or whatever Trump supporters, whatever you want to call them, uh, they 
they say like, oh, that's wrong, right? Like, uh, like what happened to George Floyd. Everyone could pretty could, could agree that, that that was wrong, but then it's just the fact that they have something else to say after it is what is is what has to stop, you know? Like, yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, yeah, that was wrong, but he was trying to get away. He committed a crime. Look at his past. All that type of stuff. Like that. That part is. That's the that's the worst part about it. Dude, it's like these people, they have this mindset, they have this thing where they think that every single crime, no matter how small, no matter how minuscule, every single crime should be punishable with death. That's basically what they're saying. Yeah. And it's and it, and it's it's even worse to have uh a life that's gone, you know. That that person's dead. Killed tragically. What and now people what? wanna literally have all this stuff to say and and dig up about their past and stuff is just to justify them dying at the hands of a of, of a, a police officer. No, absolute absolute garbage. What I will say about this is I am like Uriel. I'm super thankful that this man is alive, Jacob Blake, because here's what's going to happen. He's going to sue the city of Kenosha, maybe even the state of Wisconsin. And he is going to make millions of dollars because he is going to take the state and the city for every penny they've got. And now that one of them is actually living after a ruthless shooting for no reason, um, I think this is going to be the wake-up call for a lot of law enforcement and Congress because um, – this guy, I don't think he's going to go away. Look, dude, these payouts should be coming out of police pensions. These payouts should be coming out of police unions. Uh, we shouldn't have to shoulder these costs anymore because it's literally they get away with everything and we have to pay as as not even just as taxpayers, but as a society, we have to constantly pay for their fuck-ups. So it's like there has to be a way to hold these people accountable. It has to be. Yeah, I mean, be it a, you can't. You, you can't just like expect immunity from becoming a police officer because in every job, even my job, I mean, dang, I'm not dealing with life or death every day, but if I do something wrong, you know, I'm going to get punished or counseled, whatever you want to call it. And, um, that's not really happening to police because of their immunity rights and everything. They, um, yeah, I mean this, I, it, it's systemic, you know, because, if you look at the way cops have been trained in their jobs, right? They view the militarization of police has made it so that cops think the entire country is a damn war zone. Every interaction they believe will will basically end up with them killing somebody. They're led to believe that their communities, like they're not community policing. They're they're usually like cops that don't even live in the areas that they're policing. So they see everybody as hostile. They assume everyone is out to get them and everyone is like, you know, they, they have this such this such a strange culture that's like everyone is a threat to them. So any use of force is justified as long as you get to go as long as you get to go home that night. And it's like that's not how this is, you know? It's not how this is at all. Yeah, I mean, I agree with it. 
to a point because I think we can all agree. I think um, I would like to think the majority of police officers aren't really bad. It's just that uh, there's a lot, there's still a lot of bad ones out there, and that makes it difficult. You can and you can say that, but at the same time, you also kind of have to acknowledge that the system allows the bad ones to get away with it far too often. And I mean, you talk about the system too. There was also a case, um, I want to say it was over a year ago now, but like an off-duty officer went to like a nightclub to go dancing or whatever, you know, and he had his gun on him and he goes like for a dance move. I don't know if any of y'all heard this story. But he like breaks down for a dance move and his gun goes off because it's loaded and he like shoots the guy in the leg <laughs> and he just like gets away with that scot free because he says, Oh, you know, I'm a police officer, I'm always on duty even when I'm off. What? That's a true story. That, um I can't remember That sounds like uh that sounds like an idiot who just wanted to bring his gun to and to do a move with your gut, like that's that's just dumb. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I would agree with Uriel that that killing video, if anybody's watched it, it is it's difficult to watch because the guy is literally complying with everything they say, and they could have easily arrested him at any point. He was absolutely surrendering. There was yeah. nothing to suggest. There was nothing at all to suggest that this man was dangerous. That he would try to get away. He was literally. On all fours, crying. All you have to tell him is literally just stay on all fours, lay flat on your belly, walk over to him, cuff him, talk to him, figure out if he actually has a weapon or not, which obviously if he's already surrendered, he doesn't. And that's it. Situation's resolved. But no. That's true. And that's my problem because, like I said, there's got to be some law introduced that can help solve this unrest because police officers shouldn't be getting away with that stuff. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care if I lose friends, listeners, whatever, over that comment. Police officers do not deserve immunity. You're in a field where it's life or death, and it's not justified every time. Absolutely. And that's why And a law needs to be introduced. They need to lose their immunity. Investigations need to start happening. And... um I, yeah, I don't I don't understand how anybody can justify a shooting like Jacob Blake and you watch that video and you see the officer's hands on him and then you see him get shot seven times. Why? Why did he need to be shot seven times? I don't think anybody can justify that. It's true. It's, uh, it, it can't. It can't. And the thing is, too, like, you were saying earlier how like both sides need to stop politicizing it. I can absolutely agree with you because, listen, I am a staunch, staunch critic of the Democrats. I do not support them. I do not like their presence at all, honestly. I think that they are detrimental to the American people as much, um, if not even more harmful to Americans than Republicans. And I am definitely not right-leaning at all. I don't think I have any right-leaning ideals. Um, But the fact of the matter is every time this happens, Democrats love to play lip service to victims. And they love to play, you know, 
They love to show the illusion of support. And then when it comes down to it, when it comes down to passing any reform or passing any sort of of uh, measures to prevent these things from happening again or to right wrongs ca- that, that cause these sort of things, they don't do it. They that's never do it. True. Yeah, that's true. They look the other way and they just keep saying, oh, yeah, well, we support this. And then they take no material. They take no material steps to, to change anything. So you're absolutely right. It, at this point, they use this to just stir up the base and do nothing, nothing else with it. They're not interested in helping. Because then come in November, you know, you know what each side is going to be saying when it comes to this type of issue. And there will still be no laws brought up in Congress. And all they're all trying to do is secure like another term so they can get more money in their pockets. Nobody's actually trying to accomplish anything. I was going to say, I, I think there are very, very few lawmakers that I support. There are very, very few. I could probably name them on two hands. Um, And they are all, you know, very, very to the left. And I would say they they do a little more than pay lip service because at least they talk about the issues um, more than, uh, I guess, more corporate Democrats or, or even Republicans. And sometimes, bro, I swear, like I'm talking all this junk about um, Democrats, but, you know, please don't get me wrong. I I do not like Republicans at all either. The the stances that the right is taking on these issues right now are morally repugnant. Um, And it's not just like conservative lawmakers, conservative pundits, conservative political commentators, conservative, you know, media influencers, anything like that. These people are legitimately saying you deserve every ounce of this, basically. Your existence is, right. is you know, your existence is a crime. And yeah, it's not, and, they're not saying it in the uh, hard way yet. They're not saying it like that yet. So, you know, before before we we jump into that, they're not, but it's, it's implied um, with the responses to all of this right now. Well, so, I mean, Tucker Carlson, and this is why I say I just... I, I say I lean conservative because at my core, my values are more conservative. Uh, if you ask me about like tax breaks or free college, anything like that. But when it comes down to these issues, obviously I'm more rational. I have common sense and a human side. Um, but no, I get it because like Tucker Carlson of Fox was already justifying the actions of um Arthur, what was his name? The protester who shot and killed the two people? Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. Yeah, he was already justifying his actions and basically calling him a hero without regarding that the man literally broke four laws, bringing like another firearm to a state where he's not from and being underage. Yeah. And. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, Arthur. Okay. Yes, yeah, it's, it's like, like you said, they're using like using this stuff, and like, it it makes no sense. You can't just to 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 where it. You can't just look at something and say, "Yo, he shouldn't have done that." And and then to have him shoot those people, 
and literally walked past the police, not even obeying their commands. I think they were telling him to stop, and he didn't. And he just left. Yep. Went home, slept in his own bed that night. I was going to say, Tucker Carlson is legitimately one of the most extreme right-wing mainstream political commentators of of our time today, I think. And I don't know if you guys know, but Ethan says that he could um, beat Ben Shapiro in a fight one-on-one. I think I would absolutely dominate Tucker Carlson if me and him fought in a sanctioned fight one-on-one, perhaps in a UFC ring or a boxing ring. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind. I would literally put that man through a table, a la like Kane or the Undertaker. Um, if me and him went in, went one on one in Hell in a Cell, bro, I would walk away WWE champion after throwing him off a 20 foot cage through the tables, like the Undertaker didn't to mankind. <laughs> okay. But no, to be more serious about that though, is the man literally goes on nightly and spews some of the most extreme rhetoric. And he always has that face, and you know which one I'm talking about, where he looks so confused and befuddled every single night. That same face. He's like, well, what do you mean? The left believes this. And it's like, you know, this sort of stuff is so mainstream to them now that, like, you really have to be alarmed. Because if if this extremism... And, you know, you can say whatever you want about, oh, well, you know, MSNBC is the same as Fox, but I don't think there's anybody on MSNBC. I don't think there's any political commentators who are so far left as Tucker Carlson is to the extreme right and how he is celebrated as an icon and as almost like a messiah to people in the alt-right and people who want to see a more extreme conservative right in the United States. It's it's alarming, and it should have been alarming a few years ago, but it's especially alarming with this that he said now, um, because this sort of stuff from him has been common, you know? And then he always tries to be like, oh, that's not what I said, but every time he says it, you know, he's kind of given that wink. He's given that wink to people, that dog whistle um, of what they want to hear, but, you know, it's just plausibly right. deniable enough that he can get away with it. Yeah, no, I would say that, uh, yeah, he's one of the more extreme far-right guys. Um, now, I mean, hey, if you want to go right versus left, then uh, CNN, you know, that's pretty leftist, like, pretty much all day. I would not say – I wouldn't say CNN is leftist at all. I wouldn't say – You don't think so? No, I, I, there's, I don't think there's a – there's not a leftist channel like there's a rightist channel. There's a center left. Okay. There's a center left. I, I mean, say. yeah. But if you want to go something, okay, you're talking about to like, you're talking about like to the extreme. Like, of yeah, extreme the way Fox is right. Yeah. If we're talking to the extreme, then I would say there is nothing in the mainstream that is like that. No, and I don't think there would be. No, because it would be. I mean, because you have to look at, you have to look at the history of media when you see like. Things like that. Like, obviously, conservative media has been allowed to flourish because conservative thought has been allowed to flourish and dominate the U.S. for since what, like the 50s, you know, since they started to crack down on communism, cracking down on the left after World War II and even before World War II. um, There hasn't really been a foothold for a mainstream 
like mainstream mainstream left like that um pieces i mean that's not to say pieces of the left aren't co-opted and taken over by like the center and democrats um obviously there are things that like on i guess the identity side you know and um the acceptance like okay so like the acceptance of lgbt people right that that has been co-opted by you know mainstream society now but more yeah. like economic justice things or things that economically that leftist that would be leftist ideals aren't really accepted by anybody i mean even bernie bernie had you know when you when when you say this this is this is like a trope people say now but it's true bernie is considered this hardcore extreme leftist in the US, but like in most parts of the world, he's a social Democrat, you know? He's he's a little bit further left of center left in most political systems. And that just kind of shows how much the right has dominated uh, basically in the entire history of the US. I'd say, I'd say AOC is much more left than uh, Bernie. See, I wish she was. I wish she was more left, but she she has moments, I would say. I she's one of the few people that I support, but I'm kind of keeping an eye on her because there's this fear that she may have hit her ceiling possibly, like not in terms of popularity or anything like that, but in terms of how far left she's willing to go or how many quote unquote radical ideas she's willing to support or introduce. Well, that's obvious. She's already been shut down by her own party on like two or three of her bills. And she just has to sit there. Exactly. So like her ceiling is low. And unless there's like, the good thing is though, I mean, we do get, uh, we are seeing like a rash, like a, a, a growth of, of young upstart, further further left candidates i won't say leftist candidates because i don't think we're there yet i'm not sure we'll ever get there but further left candidates than you know centrist democrats who are fine with the status quo right now um you know we saw cory bush cory bush she won her primary obviously ilhan omar smashed again aoc smashed again um rashida Tlaib smashed again um what's his name the guy who beat Elliot Engel in New York. Um, uh, God, who did he go up against? Was it Bowman? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, Jamal Bowman. Jamal Bowman beat Elliot Engel. He, you know, that was unprecedented because Engel had been in Congress forever. He'd, he, he'd been in Congress forever, dog. And then Bowman runs and he beats him. This young progressive, um, he's not. Now I'll say, I'd like to think that there's good on both sides coming up, though. Like, I don't know if anybody saw the uh, Kim Klasik ad from Baltimore. She's um African American Republican running. I, I, I wouldn't. Well, this is the thing. You are more conservative than me, so it would make sense, I guess, because I don't see that. I see a more extreme right coming with as many QAnon Republican nominees as uh, they're getting now, even our district, I mean, Cedartown's district, Cedartown, Georgia, and the, I think it's Georgia, what, 13? It's the entire district. It's like Rome, 
um, Polk County, and then I think parts of Parto maybe. Marjorie Green, massive QAnon supporter, has said uh, some very questionable comments about um, Muslims before, and it's like you're seeing these this this sort of thing come out from the right as well, and just how massive QAnon has become on the right. This really, really, basically just a remix of of a blood libel conspiracy theory. Yeah. Now, if anybody knows me. You you two already know I don't support any type of crap like QAnon. Oh, that's true. And uh, well, it's because it's because you have a functioning brain, Jared. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm just saying I like to see up and coming people on both sides that are rational, like that the Kim Klasic, uh woman I'm talking about in Baltimore. She literally has like this ad walking through the city, like the actual Baltimore. I don't know if any of you have been to Baltimore, but it is not a great city. Hey man, we've seen, the, and, uh, we've seen the wire. Oh, that's Maryland. Got that pandemic. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got that pandemic. Yeah. WND. And uh but yeah, she like walks through the streets and she's actually talking about real issues with people. Uh she's like one of the more sensible Republicans. And um I like to see people like that with uh brains running, even on both sides. Um I just like I like to see that type of uh, ad where they actually get down in the city because I don't recall um, anybody from Congress actually like the last 40 years that actually will go back to their districts and have uh, town halls and such to see how they should vote on issues. AOC does. it's all person. Okay. Well, see, I didn't know that. Yes. But I know that for, mo- for most of them it's just like, their own personal beliefs when they get elected. That's um that's one of the reasons that some of these incumbents uh like these centrist incumbents keep losing because they don't go back to the districts. They don't live in the district. They don't go and like hold town halls for the districts. They don't listen to constituents. And that's how um these grassroots uh challengers, primary challengers are able to get a foothold and actually get uh into uh the race like that. Um because it, it shows, like, even when Elliot Engel lost, um, I'm pretty sure Jamal Bowman, Engel was asked something, and he was caught on mic saying, well, if so-and-so didn't happen, I wouldn't even be here, talking about um, being in, like, his community or something. Basically, he was just trying to score points with his community, and they caught him saying that, and that was a huge, huge blow against him. Like, I love seeing that kind of stuff, though. Also, though, I did, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. did want to say that um, youth doesn't equal progress um, when it comes to elected officials, I want to say, because sometimes they, they use younger people, especially establishment candidates. The establishment loves to use younger, um, younger candidates and give them a bunch of buzzwords and send them on their merry way to kind of just act like, Oh, we're this young progressive. And then you kind of look at the policies they support and the rhetoric that they actually espouse. And it's all empty. Like the prime example is like Pete Buttigieg or Joe Kennedy. Both of these guys are young and they use the fact that they're young to say things like, oh, we're riding on the hope of tomorrow for a better dream for all of America. And you just look at that statement and it's like, that doesn't mean anything. There's nothing behind that statement except an empty rhetoric. So 
I mean, that's that's uh, that's politics of like the last four decades. It's just empty rhetoric, really. It's a shame too, because yeah. Obama Obama perfected it, and then oh, he, now we he got, definitely did. Now we got a bunch of um, Obama ripoffs like Pete and Joe. And I will say it's looking good for um, it's looking good for Ed Markey to beat Joe Kennedy in the um, in the Massachusetts uh, Democratic Senate primary. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, last I saw, Markey was up 14, and as it should be, uh, Markey's a, a way better ally to progressives in Congress than Joe Kennedy has ever been as a Congressperson. So he would only be abysmal as a senator. Now, see, the only reason you can say anything about Obama like empty rhetoric is because he had some of the greatest speech writers and like um, speech artists who taught him his techniques. Because if you look at the time he was president and the time he was a senator, um, it's like almost two different people when you look at speeches. Um he was just really well trained when it came to the type of style he wanted to deliver when he became president. And it's not to say that all of his rhetoric was empty because he did accomplish a good bit uh, while president. But as far as many of his speeches go, I mean, yeah, that man could deliver a speech. Oh, absolutely. The Obama that ran in 2008 is not the same Obama that was president for eight years. He ran on one thing, and he got a lot of people to vote for him, expecting, you know, radical change um, through his rhetoric, and it ended up being almost completely empty. Anything that he got accomplished in those eight years was basically immediately destroyed um, by Trump in in four. So it's like we didn't gain anything. I, I don't think it's a hot take to say we didn't gain anything from an Obama presidency. Well— I think it's yeah. not a it's not a hot take, but it's also because of the way elections work. Like literally, election night 2016 came around, and Republicans didn't just gain the like the president, you know, the White House. They they also gained the majority in the Senate and the majority in the House. Well, no, they didn't. Uh, actually, yeah, they did until the midterms. Yeah, they had they had majorities. And, uh, so literally when Trump got elected, the Republicans controlled all three chambers of Congress. And so it was almost guaranteed that Trump could wipe out any type of Obama legislation he wanted to. Here's the thing. The same thing went for Obama. Obama had a supermajority. He had Congress and he had he had a supermajority in the Senate. So it's like Well, for the first four. Yeah. For the first four years. Exactly. But he didn't wipe out anything Bush did. I mean, he should have. That's what people elected him for, to stop, you know, all the shit that Bush pushed through. I mean, the man literally put us into illegal wars, spent trillions on these wars, you know. And what did what did Obama do with it? He he figured out that we could fly drones over there instead. We could kill people with drones, and then we could spy on our own citizens. We could deport more people than any other president in history. He actually, um, he actually upped the uh, number of troops overseas too. Exactly. So it's like, that's the thing. Like, Obama and the Democrats had the mandate to, you know, get us out of all those things and enact actual change. And what did they do instead? They rolled over on their bellies. Um, 
for you know the the their corporate buddies bailed them out bailed out the bankers bro bailed out everybody who caused that historic financial collapse just let them get away with that scot-free people lost their homes people lost their livelihoods but hey the bankers got away with it so on our dime on our dime too so it's like well see now you're 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 nearly making the case for Trump this year because Biden was the VP in that administration there's the thing though I'm not making that case they made that case themselves <laughs> I'm just highlighting it these actions were already taken like I'd say for for all the good that he did and could have did, uh, the biggest failure of his presidency was probably more than likely Obamacare, which is what he had tried to get done the entire time. Yeah, a half measure that, I mean, it helps it helped people over the past, you know, people who I guess couldn't be covered by insurance, but at the same time, it's like <laughs> premiums no, but are it's still... Also put it- yeah, it's also putting those same people into bankruptcy. Exactly. Exactly. That's the, you know, like who did it actually help? Because <laughs> you get sick, you lose everything, basically. Like literally, yeah. I went to the hospital um, a few months ago, and for three nights in the hospital, dog, I my bill is like $4,500. And that's low. Like mm. there's people who have way, way, way higher hospital bills than that. And it's like you first off, who has forty five hundred dollars just laying around in case you get sick? You know? Who has that? Dude. And man. I'm insured. I'm insured is a thing. There's so many people who are not insured or whose insurance is terrible. Well, I think I told Arthur this before on the podcast, but I literally have family members that just throw medical bills in the trash as soon as they get on. Jeez. I mean, what else can you do? You, you this isn't a way to live, dude. This is not a way to live. These there's uh, there's there's a better way. I'm insured as well. And I'll I'll tell you all this. Um my first son was born in a military hospital, so I never saw the bill. Never knew how much it was. But uh with our second son, I saw the bill before insurance covered most of it. And, um, yeah, that bill for like three nights in the hospital and everything that goes along with it was, um, I want to say it was like 34 grand. Jesus Christ. For the birth of my, wow. Yeah. For like the birth of my second son. I was, um, <clears throat> I was, here's your child to give us $30,000. <laughs> hold that baby for ransom. <laughs> for, for, for our old, for, for our, uh, our spent time. Exactly. See, they let you take it. They let you take it home, but they don't tell you about the money that comes along with it. I I don't know <laughs> if I told you all this story before, but I told this story before. I'm pretty sure on the Thought Police once, but um, I heard this story about a girl who went to Korea, right? And she like I, either she broke her ankle or she sprained her ankle, but she had to go to the hospital. She had to go to the hospital, get X-rays, physical therapy. I think she even had to get surgery and a cast on it, right? And when you know they got to like the billing part the doctor was like oh you know if you had insurance this would be a lot lot cheaper you know i'm really sorry this is your bill and she was expecting a crazy amount of money right she was expecting you know us type of money she owed the hospital like 150 dollars. that's all for all of that for all of that to get for for literally like a broken bone 
And I was like, I, wow. I it, it's unbelievable. There's literally like in so many other countries, like you go to the hospital and you don't have to be scared about, am I able to afford this? You, you just get better and then you live the rest of your life. And their goal is to get you better. Their goal, this is something else that I've, I kind of feel a type of way about because I feel like doctors in the U.S., hospitals in the U.S. have the incentive to, to just care about the money more than the patient's health, you know? I don't know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if that's a hot-ass take, but, like, it's almost like the incentive no. is to get them, if if they're uninsured, to get them out as fast as they can. Or if they're insured, to, like, try and get as much out of the insurance companies as they can. Instead of worrying, you know, instead of actually being more conscious about that person's health and the treatment options that they may need um, to get better to actually get better. And, uh, and, and it brings to like question, like how much does it actually cost to go to the hospital and, you know, like try to get some help, you know, like what you went to the, to the hospital for you were there for three days. How much, as compared to the $4,500 uh, bill you, you received, how much did they actually care for you into a, into a dollar amount? Exactly. Exactly. What's the price on that, you know? I, what... Oh, dude, most of it is going straight to the doctor's salaries. That's why... Yeah, that's the, that's what... the worst part about it. Yeah, like, that's why when, when like, Uriel talks about, you know, the patients with no health care getting them in and out. Did you know that uh, folks on like Medicare and Medicaid, the government has a deal with hospitals. They get prorated like 90%. So somebody like myself, um, I'm paying like a doctor, whatever their full price is, you know, for my insurance, I'm paying them full price. And then somebody on Medicaid who they might not care about more is actually uh, paying less because of the whole, you know, government subsidization, uh, subsidization. Yeah. And so you talk about stuff like that and that's why hospitals don't really care about those type of people because a lot of it's going straight to the hospital and straight to the doctor's salaries. Now I'm not going to sit here and say that like, you know, doctors don't deserve the money they do or that they get because I don't think I could sit in medical school for like eight years, you know? Um, So I think they deserve money, but at the same time, how much money? Make, what if they, okay, crazy solution. What if they made medical school, if you can get in, if you can qualify, make medical school, school free so then when they come out, they don't have to worry about I mean, I will say doctors come out with a lot of student debt for just how long they're in school. But then maybe that would lower the cost because then they wouldn't be so worried about how much money am I going to make? Maybe they would focus more on their job. That's just an on-the-fly idea. That's just an on-the-fly. I just thought of that literally right now. So I don't know but if that's an There's only theory. one way. There's only – I think there's one way that works. You take the student loans to their full effect while you're in. 
and say they cut it by 50% on the sole condition that you graduate. Like as soon as you graduate, 50%, 60%, whatever of those medical bills or medical school costs is relieved. Like refunded to you? Or you just like, don't have, you just don't owe it anymore. You just don't owe it anymore. I, I, like it's for like it's uh you know it's just relieved. Okay, I get you. Yeah. Hmm. Because I mean, that's if, not, man. if you offer the promise of free medical school, then people are still going to go in and end up costing more money and dropping out. But if you say, hey, you take out this type of loan, become a doctor, and when you graduate, this loan cuts in half, 50%. That sounds like a pretty good deal to me. But how many people are going to medical school and then dropping out? Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I don't know. There's already a like a I think they have like a need for nearly every doctor still. You know what country does really good at turning out doctors? What's that? Cuba. Oh, Those motherfuckers well, do a great job at turning out doctors. You wouldn't guess. You wouldn't. It's not something we're taught. We're only taught that Cuba's this backwards little nation. Yeah, I'll say aren't aren't uh aren't the people of Cuba like really smart? Cuban doctors, I mean I don't know if you guys remember, but all those Cuban doctors that went to Italy, remember when COVID was destroying the Lombardy region? Yeah. It was Cuba who sent doctors. That's their main export. Cuba's main export is um, medical help. And they offered, you know, they offered um, to send, after Hurricane Katrina, Cuba offered to send doctors to come help. And the U.S. turned them down just because that's just out of spite. Wow. Dang. That's a, that's a whole... That's a whole different podcast there. But um, yeah, I mean, we could literally have a podcast about the craziest issues that are politicized. I was gonna say we've been going for a hot minute, honestly. I would say well, I don't want to. We just turn turn this uh, show into that show today. This did, I mean, this was a pretty awesome show. Honestly, the conversation was really good. Oh yeah, we've definitely enjoyed having you on. Appreciate that. Always have. Honestly. Us three and Ethan, like the four of us together, we have pretty good chemistry together, honestly. Oh yeah, that's uh that's true. That's years of of a built a built friendship. That's true. That's true. These uh, hey, these aren't just uh, random connections, folks. These are these are roots. These are roots that we have uh, deep deep into each other. If that makes sense. Yeah, and people <laughs> wonder, you know, I. I don't think people need to look much further than their friends when they think about having people in their circles with different opinions. Like it's really not that hard. You just have to be rational with everything that comes through your mind and, uh, you know, be open-minded to uh, listening to others. Just be willing to get down and dirty in the conversation in a respectful oh, yeah. manner. Yeah. Because I'm going to be honest, if it was somebody who I didn't know, and they were coming at me some type of way, I'm always ready to throw down verbally, okay? Like, I'm always ready to to defend my ideals um, against a hostile conversation. Um, so talking in an open, friendly platform, you know, where, you know, me and Jared may not share the exact ideals or anything, but at the end of the day, we both realize that we we want better. We both want better, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's the same for me and Arthur. We don't agree on everything, but True. I'm always open minded to anybody's views, you know, and I'll I'll speak my 
I'll speak my two cents. Arthur speaks his two cents. You speak yours. And even on the show, I think Arthur has changed my mind on a couple things because there might be a, a thing or two I don't know fully about, but I'm open, you know, because I'm not strictly like set in one viewpoint. Like I can, I can lean either way. I'm totally open to changing. If I, if my viewpoint is proven like immoral, you know, prove me wrong, but uh, open conversations are also good because we, we talk about each of our viewpoints and then especially in the way we talk about it, we can all kind of come to a respectable manner and kind of see where everybody is coming from in their own way. That's true. That's true. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's all about being raised as like a, a decent human. Like, you know, if you're, if you're raised by some decent people, you're, you're not going to want to hate people or, or just not be able to talk to someone of a different opinion, you know? It's true. And, hey, if we want to get beef on, um, yeah, for our viewers out there, Uriel's not kidding. Um, my brother, Colton, and Uriel, they, uh, they are on two different ends of the spectrum because um, – one of those people on both ends is not really open to changing their mind on a lot of topics. Look, dude, all I have to say to haters, bro, is that everybody needs a glass of water today to chase the hate away. That's true. <laughs> anyway. Hey. Let's light, let's light this up. What. Oh, we're definitely going to lighten this up. Speaking of politics and old people, let's talk about the two old white guys running for office this November. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. More, more, more political. Yeah, but this one's like a funny political. All right, fair. Okay. So, all right. Anybody who listened to the Thought Police knows they basically did their own version of Jeopardy this past week. <clears throat> That's true. Excuse me. And. We're not necessarily going to steal that idea, but we're going to do a little bit of that idea. And it was a good idea. So we're not going to do Jeopardy. We're going to do presidential trivia. We're going to play a game of who said it. And I'm going to give Uriel and uh, Arthur quotes. I nearly said Ethan. I'm thinking about the Thought Police. Um, So I'm going to give Arthur and Uriel quotes and then... They have to guess if either Joe Biden or Donald Trump said it. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised when this comes out. <laughs> so right, we'll I'm just ready. go back and forth. Yeah, we'll just go back and forth. This doesn't have to be like a game where anybody buzzes in. Yeah. Okay. So from Phoenix to Flagstaff, from Mesa to Yuma, pretty sure I just said that wrong, to the Red Rocks of Sedona, this great state was settled by some of the toughest men and toughest and most beautiful women ever to walk the face of the earth. Arthur, Biden, or Trump? Ooh. Huh. I want to say Biden. That would be Trump. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> okay. Next up, Uriel. All right. I... 
I think I probably have a much higher IQ than you do. I suspect I'd be delighted to sit down and compare my IQ to yours if you'd like, Frank. Frank. I think that was Biden. That is correct. Yeah, I'll say that's that's definitely Biden. I remember that. I was going to say, the reason that I think it's Biden is because Biden likes to say people's names after he gets done talking. Or he likes to say Jack. <laughs> True. Or, but, uh, or come on, it- man. Isn't that the isn't that the one where he uh, he tried to do the push up contest with the guy? I think it's the one where he's debating. Uh, somebody asked him about that mental fitness test, and yeah. he was talking about IQs and everything with Trump. Yeah. So, all right, Arthur. Here we go. The next one. I cannot believe that a Frenchman visiting Kiev went back home and didn't say he discovered the most beautiful women in the world. That's my observation. It's certain you have so many beautiful women, Biden or Trump. I feel like that's a that's a, a Trump trap. I feel like Biden said that. That would be correct. Oh, uh, I knew it. Yeah, yeah say... Uh... I knew it, dude. I know that yeah, he... fool Biden loves the Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, he took a he took a visit and mentioned in in his remarks to the president about their beautiful women. So, all right, here we go. And this one may be easy, Uriel. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody, nobody has more respect. Trump, that's Trump. It's got to be. Oh, it's definitely. Trump. God, yes, got him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can tell because, of course, he, he uses those grand sizes whenever he compares things like, nobody, I'm the most. So, and a lot of times with Trump, he literally repeats the same thing over and over. Like, in that quote, he probably said nobody at least three or four times when I was reading it. <laughs> All right. Uriel, we're going to get down to our our last nitty-gritties here. It's packed outside, as you'll be able to see, but they've never seen crowds like this over here. Oh, man. No, this one could be either one. Um, It's packed out. Let me try and do each one in in their voices to try and get. (laughs) Can Can you repeat it again? Okay. It's packed outside, as you'll be able to see, but they've never seen crowds like this over here. Okay, when I think of Trump saying that, he'll be like, it's packed outside, as you can see, but they'll never see crowds like that outside. That's not that's not a good impression. That was just me talking through it. Sorry. <laughs> that wasn't a good impression. I could do a better impression, but I think that was Trump. I think that was Trump. Congratulations. Congratulations. Oh, yes. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> wasn't that he, saying, was wasn't he saying that about uh, his Tulsa rally? Uh, he actually said this in Indiana before the uh, 2018 midterms. Oh, God. Never mind. So, 
Congratulations. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> I was close. That All was right. close on that one. Here we go, Arthur. Last one. All right. What's up? You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know this one. I know this one. Is that is that Trump? <laughs> I'm sorry, but the answer was Joe Biden. Dog, that was oh, Joe Biden man. for real. That was Joe Biden, of course. Of course, it was Joe Biden. Has forced a cultural reckoning. Of- <laughs> One man stands ready to deliver change we desperately need. <laughs> So that was a nice, fun game Look, of who man, said it. That man Biden straight says some racist-ass things, dog, and nobody even talks That's about it. That's true. That, like, I, how does he get away with saying these blatantly racist things? I mean, look, dude, MSNBC and CNN, and CNN love him, so they're not going to cover that. Well, let's be honest. If Trump wasn't the president, they probably would cover it a lot more. But the narrative right now for most of those networks is just to get rid of Trump. Exactly. Not even with somebody good. It's just to get rid of him. Yeah. So that's why everybody's covering for Biden. Because if this, if Trump was not the president, say any other Republican one, like any decent man, like a Ted Cruz or Ben, well, I'm not going to well, say Ben Carson. I'm going to say, well, Ted but, Cruz and decent man aren't really two, two words I would put together. But Okay, we'll just say decent politician. Okay. I'm just talking about... Somebody who, you know, doesn't say the type of things that Trump does. <clears throat> so you think if any, either of them won president, because they're not so crazy and everything like Trump. If one of them were president, they probably would be covering stuff like Biden's racist remark a lot more. And that's true. Also, on the other, on the opposite spectrum of that, if they had run a brown paper bag against Bernie Sanders... They would literally be on. They would be probably ten guys on CNN saying how Brown Paper Bag had been with us since the fifties, carrying our lunches every year since. <laughs> All right, so that one fell a little flat, but we can keep moving from that. What'd you say? <laughs> I said, I said on the opposite spectrum of that. Um, <laughs> if if the Democrats had run had run a Brown Paper Bag against Bernie Sanders, you would have ten people on. CNN and MSNBC Daily talking about how Brown Paper Bag had been there for us since the 50s, carrying our lunches every single day. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> anyway. Hey. Hey, I was trying to keep it. I was trying to end it on a light note this week. I felt like last week was pretty grim for us here at Unheard of. I saw y'all had Tanner on, right? I have to still listen to that episode. I listened to one the week before, but I just, I didn't find any any time this week. But I'm probably gonna listen to it tomorrow all the way through. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, I well, s- go ahead. Sorry. Well, you've uh, you've probably been too busy uh, streaming, right? That's true. I was really about to segue into that right now, actually, because I was gonna say I saw Tanner started a <laughs> Twitch stream, and I was in there. All right. I was in there for Everybody's a while. Everybody's trying to steal my thing. Segue in is my thing on this show. <laughs> Listen, you didn't catch the segue that Euro tried to, tried to throw earlier. No, no, no. I caught it. I just didn't want it. That's true. You, what? Jared said, I'm the man who segues, not you. 
<laughs> no, but continue, continue. Um, I saw Tanner started a Twitch stream, and I went in there, um, to watch him. It was pretty good. You know, I recommend anybody who likes uh to watch live streams. You know, go go in there and see my boy Tanner, man of Tan on Twitch. Um, you probably hit him up for the more direct link. That's just plugging his though. It looked like a lot of fun. He was playing Beat Saber. He was playing some pretty sick songs, so I enjoyed that. Um, but I actually have been streaming a lot this week, and I've been streaming um, for the past month and a half. Semi for the past month and a half, getting uh, more serious as that time period has moved on. And today, I actually made Twitch affiliate. So, um, nice. You know, if any of you guys would like to jump in, I usually I, I think I'm gonna switch my schedule up because I usually do. Okay, so I'm usually online on Twitch. Um, from three to five, streaming FIFA twenty, um, and I play that daily. So like, and when FIFA twenty one obviously comes out, I'll be streaming that a lot, making a lot of content for that on YouTube as well. Um, but here recently, I gained a bit of a following. Um, I made friends with some guys uh, from the Indian FIFA community. Um, some guys from it was mainly one guy. His name was Slither Twenty One, I think. He's from Mumbai, and he just jumped in my stream one day, and he was super, super supportive. Um, and he got a bunch of his friends in there, and I followed all them back, and now I watch all their streams too. Um, but very, very supportive, and they helped me. They helped me reach um, affiliate today. I got up to uh, the threshold is. Um, 50 followers, uh, you have to stream on so many days. Let me see. You have to stream on, give me one second. Well, I'll say, uh, I for one enjoy your streams. I'm, I'm in there a lot usually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Arthur is absolutely a real one. So you have to. You have to hit 50 followers, stream for eight hours, stream on seven different days, and then hit an average of three viewers. And I'm going to be 100% real with y'all. Hitting that average of three viewers and hitting the 50 followers are the two hardest things to do on Twitch. Because here's the thing. The, the, the floor for Twitch is really, really low. In fact, it's one viewer. And that viewer will most of the time be you, right? If you just if this this is if you just go on Twitch and you just start streaming, ninety eight percent of the time you will have no viewers, and this is not your fault because they're I mean Twitch is just too saturated to organically grow a channel just streaming. So what you have to do is you have to build a community. You have to get into a community. You have to build connections. You have to network. And you have to make other content. So if you have a following somewhere else, it's easier to transfer that following to Twitch than to try and build a following on Twitch from zero. So it's better for anybody who wants to be a streamer or like wants to just stream in general to um, you know make a YouTube channel or make a Twitter or a Facebook or somewhere where you can get a following first and migrate that following to Twitch because if not, you will be streaming to one average viewer and you'll have like no followers. 
Um, it's, and you know, I've, I, this isn't like, this is just a hobby to me. If, if like, if we're going to be 100% real, this is like a hobby to me. And this is like nothing I see as like a career prospect or anything. I don't see myself really making any money off of this. It's just fun to do to people. And it's a fun way to work on, I guess, broadcasting and like being able to speak to people through um, a live kind of content sharing platform. Um, But my biggest thing is just, uh, you know, make a YouTube, get on there. But if you guys do want to follow me on Twitch, I know I've been talking about this for a few minutes now, but um, I'm on Twitch at Foos Union, twitch.tv backslash Foos Union. That's spelled F-O-O-S. U-N-I-O-N, like a union of foos. And uh, we're on daily. I mean, we're on daily most days unless something comes up. And I think I'm going to start trying to do night streams too because I know a lot of people, my, my three to five streams, Um, the reason I set them up like that is because that's about the time that people in Europe and people in like, uh, especially like, because in India, it's like 1 a.m. And then in Europe, it's, getting close to like 9, 10, 11. So people are home in bed doing something like that. So most of my followers are like European and Indian and Arthur. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they love watching FIFA because obviously football slash soccer is a lot more popular uh, there than here. But I'm thinking about maybe just doing Fall Guys at night. From here on out, Fall Guys, Dead by Daylight. Um, I don't think I'm going to stream UFC anymore. That game is dead. The game was dead in the water. It's fun to play, but it's not really fun to watch or fun to play. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, that was basically my little spiel. I have a YouTube, too. You can find me on at Foos Union on there, too. I'm trying to put more content up. I'm actually working on a video. I'm doing research right now for a video on... Um, and I say research. <laughs> I, last year, I went to Mexico City just on a sightseeing trip by myself. And one of my one of my biggest things, and one of my biggest things for my whole life has been, I want to go see a CMLL Lucha Libre show. And I was able to do that last year. Um, I went to one of their Friday night shows. Um, they called them Super Vietnes. And um, well, just to, for a little bit of background, CMLL is a historic historic organization which has been around since 1933 and the arena that they wrestle in has been around since 1956 so this place has a ton ton of history and it's like you know synonymous with mexico city is something that you have to do if you ever go there um so i went and basically i'm making a video of how that went um what to expect if you go and and Here's the thing. So CMLL records all their shows and they stream them for free on YouTube. So I'm going through that show and trying to find myself in the crowd because I was like basically in the front row. <laughs> so I'm watching the whole show again, trying to spot myself so I can get a nice picture for the uh, for the YouTube uh, video. <laughs> nice. But yeah, um, that's what I've been up to here recently. Hmm. Hey. And uh, also recording recording your podcast. Oh, yeah, that's true. I really forgot I had a podcast because this week that never wants to record. <laughs> and I hope he listens. I hope he I hope he listens to this and he hears that. 
But yeah, we're the Thought Police. Follow us on Twitter at at the Thought Police. I don't ever remember the the, the Twitter handle, but uh, just shoot me a message and I'll send you a link to the page. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we're 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 at Thought Police. not at the Thought Police. at Thought Police on Twitter. Um, we're also on Instagram. You can also email us. Or you can just listen to us on Spotify as well. You can just look up the Thought Police and uh, we're there. So. Nice. And uh, of course, you can always find us unheard of at uh, unheard underscore of pod on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, my, my Twitter handle at young without the O underscore ABG and Jared. All right. And this is where I jump in. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, um, yeah, you guys can actually find me on Twitter at Jared Evans. Pretty simple. Um, not really doing much of anything right now. Just, uh, scrolling through my feeds. I haven't put anything, uh, vicarious out there yet. However, you know, something something interesting might pop up. You never know. Like Uriel, um, I am actually interested in starting an individual venture for myself. Um, now with movies coming back and TV shows, um, I've actually wanted to start a reviewing channel for a while on YouTube. But when the pandemic hit, I thought maybe not the best time. And... Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe uh, I'll get into that. If our listeners, you know, maybe you think you'd like that. My uh, boring voice telling you whether or not you should watch something. Uh, but who knows? Maybe it'll start. Maybe it won't. Most likely it won't. Here's the <laughs> thing, Jared. If you're thinking about starting a YouTube channel, do it. Absolutely do it. Don't Don't make any hesitations about it. If it's, you know... If you think something's not good enough for YouTube, I promise you, 100% of the time, it is. Success on YouTube is is um, probably 50% consistency, 50% getting lucky on the algorithm. True. And, I mean, I did hesitate to even try and start a podcast for the longest time. Um, had to find a good partner. Hey, well, you found a great one. Hey, hey, that's me. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Uriel, we've definitely enjoyed having you on. This this week has been another goodie, and I agree. Um, when the three of us, plus Ethan every now and then, get together, uh, some good conversations come about. There's a lot of good chemistry here. Been friends for a long time. And um, I just know that we appreciate you and really quick um, Arthur Uriel any of you have any closing thoughts um, uh, sorry go ahead Arthur sorry uh, closing thoughts uh, if you see if you see a cop unjustly shoot anybody call it call it what it is call it wrong uh, RP chat with Bozeman and uh, wear a mask. That's a, that's a given. I'm just, 
I'm just happy you said something other than wear a mask. Hey, that man. seems to be the go-to the past few weeks. <laughs> it's it's very important. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm, you're I'm, real? I'm uh, trying... No, oh. no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to I'm, cut you off, Arthur. I'm turning wear a mask into my uh, my stick, you know? Yeah, eventually this pandemic is going to be declared over and Arthur's still going to be out here saying wear a mask. That's true, but that's only for when you're robbing people. <laughs> Honestly, I would still I okay. would still wear a mask. They're they're kind of cool fashion fashion wise as well. Yeah, I saw somebody uh, on Twitter. They said, uh, "I've been walking around all these years before this, letting just anybody breathe on me." They're like, uh, "I'm <laughs> definitely wearing a mask for for the rest of my life now." They do in Asia. <laughs> yeah, they Asia. they they wear a lot of masks over there. So. But that's typically because of air quality, and they actually wear them when they're sick. It's true. They also just look really cool. Tech wear. They do. Street wear kind of cool. stuff. But um, I guess uh, the things I want to leave uh, saying, it's just it's just a quick little thing. I just want to say that uh, little do they know when I was brought up into this game, point and always in a vibe for spitting, I made a change. That's it. Thank you. That's worth okay. to live by. You know, about, I'd like to think so. What about you, Jared? You got anything to close with? Uh, you know what? I just want to say that for all of our listeners out there, I want everybody to really think about their morals and beliefs. There's a lot of stuff going on in this world where it shouldn't be a question of whether it's right or wrong. And put politics to the side be a human being for once in your life. And you know what? I, um, I am just thankful that we keep talking about great topics like this, that we get to, um, keep bringing stuff up. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, um, I'm just very excited that we, uh, got something good here going. And, um, in closing this week, I'm going to close us out with a Chadwick Bozeman quote because, um, you know, long live, you know, Chadwick Bozeman, uh, leaves behind a great legacy. One of his most famous quotes, he says, um, I think you realize how much you need to have people that you love. It's not as much about them loving you. It's about you needing to love people. And I hope that rings a bell with all of us this week and for all of our fans and listeners and even haters, we love you. We appreciate you and we hear you and we hope you've heard us hear it unheard of. And as always, I'm Arthur and I'm Jared and you just listened to Unheard of. Brought to you by the Big Bees. Unheard of.